Hey friend, you are listening to Real Talk with Rachel, and I'm your host, Rachel Gilbert. I am a therapist on a mission to bridge the gap between faith and therapy. Tune in on Mondays for short talk therapy episodes, always 15 minutes or less. And on Wednesdays, we sprinkle in guest interviews with people that I feel can equip your mental, emotional, relational, physical, or even spiritual health. These episodes are meant to be educational, not a replacement for your therapist. Stick around till the end of the show for a short segment where I share counselor-approved strategies to take this Real Talk episode and make it relevant in your everyday life through simple action steps. Today's episode equips your spiritual health as we discuss how we serve a God who stays. Today's guest is one you have probably sung along to many of his songs. Some are spiritual and others, like the Gobble song, are just for giggles. Matthew West is a five-time Grammy nominee, a multiple Christian music songwriter slash artist of the year winner, and a 2018 Dove Award Songwriter of the Year recipient. He has received an American Music Award, a Billboard Music Award, a K-Love Fan Award, and named Billboard's Hot Christian Songwriter of the Year. Now, apart from his successful career as a musician, he's also an accomplished author, passionate father, and husband. I know that bio I just read to you was a mouthful. Not gonna lie, it took me a few tries to get it all out. But I want you to know that Matthew is not only funny, He's a great storyteller, and he's super down-to-earth. In fact, you're going to love his fun fact that he shared today. So please help me welcome him to the show. Well, hello, Matthew. Welcome to the show. Thanks. It's great to meet you. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks for taking the time. I know you've got lots on your plate. and I'm excited to talk to you about this message today. Uh, I'd like to ask each one of my guests before we get started, what's something random, fun fact about you that I would not have just read to them on your professional bio. (laughs) I have many random things that are not on my professional bio. Uh, Let's see. The first two things that come to mind are I have two dogs. And um, since I live in a house full of women, my wife and I have two daughters. And so we have two boy dogs and they're the only other boys in the house. And I give them like true like dude names so um rocky and nick are my buddies and uh and i want you to know how seriously i take this interview with you today high priority for me so it was high enough priority i actually put my dogs i took them out of the studio as to not be interrupted by barking so uh so you're you'll thank me for that or you would thank me if you knew my dog so rocky and nick are the only other boys in the house and then the other thing Maybe it's just because we're headed towards the holidays. I've been thinking a lot about turkey, and I'm a bit of a turkey aficionado when it comes to Thanksgiving. I know that you're based in Texas, and I get my turkey every year from the great state of Texas. And um, I'm I'm a weird Thanksgiving, like, I geek out over the electric carving knife, and, like, I get this turkey shipped, and it's, like, it's kind of a big deal for me. So those are some fun facts. At least I think they're fun. And now I'm hungry, so I probably shouldn't have told you that second part because now I'm going to be distracted. I was going to say, now my stomach's rumbling, too, and I need to know where is this amazing Texas turkey that I, I mean, what is this about? Is this a company? What is it? (laughs) It's the pride of Tyler, Texas, Greenberg turkeys, gobblegobble.com, I think is their website, which is funny because I have a song called gobble gobble, 
that professes my love for Turkey as well. And it's a song that's made many parents across the land hate my guts because their kids make them play it every hour on the hour throughout the holidays. So, but yeah, Greenberg turkeys, there's a shout out in case they, if in case they hear this and decide they want to give me a lifetime sponsorship deal or something, if you order a Turkey from them, tell them Matthew West sent you. <laughs> I was going to say, I need to look them up after this and see if they can sponsor this episode or something, you know, and so- <laughs> oh, they send out, they make these smoked turkeys and they send it to your house. You don't even have to cook it. Oh, you know, look it. So you can't screw it up. It's amazing. It's my favorite day of the year is when it shows up on my front doorstep. Oh, my goodness. You're changing lives already. And we haven't even gotten started for those of us who are like, I can't cook turkey. And <laughs> yes. now we know. That's awesome. Go. And my kids are some of the kids who play your song. So thank you for that. I, I wouldn't say I hate your guts, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there's some songs that are uh, good to the point of annoyance and yeah. gobble gobble is the other day I played, I got invited to go sing at a kid's like a, at a Christian school. I was playing this festival that night in Pennsylvania. It was like this big festival, 10,000 people. But they said, do you want to go sing at a school for 300 kids first during the day at like a school assembly? And I was like, sure. That sounds like fun. Well, sure enough, they introduced me and it wasn't introducing me for like the number one song or or whatever or a, a new book or something they're like you guys know the song gobble gobble and all the kids started losing their minds and it, you would have thought justin bieber showed up it was the funniest thing and when i tried to sing one of my real songs they didn't want to hear it. They just wanted to hear this song about Turkey. So if any of your uh, listeners don't know the song we're talking about, just Google it and uh, and you'll see what I'm talking about. Yeah, for sure. Oh, my goodness. That'll keep you humble. <laughs> it's so funny. It was just like, I mean, but it was a great moment, too, to realize, like, at any given moment in your life, like, God has different dimensions that he's created for you. Like, he's not a one-dimensional creator, and neither are the things he creates. And so sometimes he's going to use you in different ways than you thought. And so the fact that some little kid i had the parents were telling me a lot of these kids might not listen to christian music but they found this song and now they're finding your other songs and i'm like you know what hey maybe sometimes making a goofy song about turkey who would have thought that could still point somebody to jesus absolutely i was thinking thinking the exact same thing whenever you're saying that i've had multiple experiences <laughs> in my life where you're like you're doing something random that you're kind of thinking well this might feel silly or i don't even know where this connects and then right down the road it does and that's really cool Absolutely, yeah, yeah. i love that so there, there you go that's my random random start of the episode here awesome well you're the first person i think that's like brought in a teaching moment though you know like brought some good content with that one question like we're one question in right now so. there you go. jesus and turkey we could just wrap it right now let's go all right we're done we're done here oh my goodness all right this is gonna be fun i can already tell okay so you just released a book is this your yeah. what what number book is this for you it's like my sixth book I okay think. okay yes you like to write i mean i know you I like love it yeah i love it so much you know because i think um i've spent my ten thousand hours if you will telling story i'm a storyteller at heart that's what i am i i feel it with everything that's in me but i've spent ten thousand hours learning how to tell my stories within the confines of a three-minute song mm -hmm. right and there's some there's some parameters there, right? You got to learn how to tell a story in a very short and succinct way. You got to uh, spend wisely the economy of words. You have to fit it in in three minutes. You got to make it rhyme. You got to give it a catchy melody and hope it's a hit, right? And a lot of times I would get to the end of a song 
And I would then get to take that song to the world. Like it would go on the radio or I'd go on tour and sing it for people. And then I'd hear from people how the Lord's using that message in their life. And more importantly, you're singing a song every single night and you feel like the Lord's showing you new things about the depths of that message. And so a lot of times I get to the end of a writing of a song and feel like there's more to unpack. And that was the case uh, that made me write my sixth book, The God Who Stays. But, uh, but yeah, I love writing books. My mom told me, she said uh, years ago, she's like, I've been praying for you and God put it on my heart that someday you're not just going to be writing songs, you're going to be writing books. And uh, I laughed at that time because I reminded her what my grade point average was in high school. And uh, I said, mom, there's no way I'm going to be writing books someday. And she said, all right, we'll just wait and see. So the fact that I'm getting to talk to you today about my sixth book is just another little tap on the shoulder reminding me that. God's plans are better than our own, and uh, mothers are rarely wrong. Absolutely. Especially a prophetic word from a mother, right? <laughs> oh, come on. A praying mom. You yeah. Know? All right. You are a great storyteller. So with that said, I would actually like to hear your uh, story from, this is not in my notes, but I just I think people would love to hear this from you. One, how you did get into you know writing music, doing what you do, but really I'd love to hear your salvation story if you don't mind sharing that or how you came to christ yeah yeah absolutely um well for that um i'm a preacher's kid and um i'm still in recovery for that no i'm just kidding same um, no. <laughs> <laughs> um that's so we're two pks talking yeah. today awesome yeah. <laughs> we could we could definitely spill the tea as they say yeah um no, but I, I grew up in the Chicago suburbs and my dad and mom pastored at the same church for 38 years. So my entire childhood was spent in the front row of the same church on Hobson Road uh, in Downers Grove, Illinois. And, um, you know, I think growing up, I pretty much assumed like I'm going to get to heaven because I'm in the family business, you know, and mom and dad always would contrast that with how they raised me to say, you know, God loves you enough to want a personal friendship with you. And, uh, and so they were always pointing me in that direction of a, what does a personal relationship with Jesus look like? And, and uh, you know, you, you pray for that as a parent, you pray that your kid's going to have that moment where it becomes real to them. And, and for me, I, I think they must've known that it wasn't going to happen inside the church where I grew up. And uh, instead it happened watching a Billy Graham crusade, I was uh, 13 years old and I sat down on this blue couch that my mom had in the basement of our home after school one day, I accidentally turned on a rerun of a Billy Graham crusade. And uh, before I realized it, I was fixated on the TV. I was hearing John 316 like I'd never heard it before. My mom was doing laundry nearby. She saw me. She sat down and asked me if I wanted to pray. And I took my mom's hand. Normally, I would have been a too cool for school 13 year old. And instead, I let my walls down. I said, yeah, I want to pray. And I asked Jesus to be my personal Lord and Savior that day. Um, I have to tell you, though, full circle, you pray now for that same moment in your kids' lives. And uh, a couple weeks ago, I'm still riding on this high, but my 16-year-old Lulu, she's uh, been going to a youth group that's just awesome. And, and she said, Dad, the youth pastor, they're going to do a backyard baptism. And I want to get baptized. Would you baptize me? And so two weeks, two weeks ago, I, I got to baptize my daughter and I, I cried like a baby. And I, I saw myself 
as a 13 year old kid. Cause not long after I got saved, I got baptized and my dad baptized me. And when you see that become real in, in your daughter's life where she's, she's going, no, I'm not going to heaven just cause my dad's a Christian singer. This is real. God loves me and he wants a personal relationship with me. And that's what it's all about. Ooh, I love your story so much. And I just, I think it's, um, it reminds me of, I once had a professor who said, God doesn't have grandkids and, you know, like he has kids. We're all kids, you know, it's no, no such thing as riding on mom and dad's skirt tails, as you said there. And, um, I just love that. And that's something that's been on my heart and which is probably why the Lord prompted me to ask you to share your story is just that for so many people just have their own personal relationship with Jesus, because otherwise all the things we're talking about doesn't make a ton of sense. It's more hey. just religion, right? So, I love sharing that story too, because, and I love hearing other people share theirs. In fact, on my podcast, I, so what I, I felt like I called it this one day and I've called it this ever since, but I think I say, well, that's my blue couch story. Mm. And, and so now on my show, like when I have somebody on, before the show's over, I always say, tell us your blue couch story. And I love it. Every person, every guest is saying, well, here's here's the, the hour I first believed. Here's that moment where I felt like God got my attention. And it usually ends in tears just because it. when you hear somebody share their story of God's pursuit of them and their answer to that call, it, it should awaken something within you. And hopefully it does one of two things. Hopefully, one, it maybe brings you back to the moment that you first said yes. And that reminder that, you know, that first love is still there. Or if you don't have a blue couch story like that, that it can remind you that God desires to have that type of a close relationship with you too. So telling that story of how God has changed your life is everything. And it's an invitation for somebody else to find their own. Absolutely. Is it called blue couch? Cause were you sitting on a blue couch? Yeah. 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 yeah, I thought it was funny. I have a blue couch behind me, so yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. And, and the blue, in fact, on the back cover of my book, there's a picture of me sitting on a blue couch, and the blue couch has a predominant. It's a predominant theme throughout the book, and it's it's one of those things where I'm I'm basically in the book. I'm inviting you to come sit down on the blue couch with me, and then by the end of the book, I'm encouraging you to invite others to the blue couch and, uh, and realizing that couch symbolizes a, a moment with Emmanuel, a moment with the God who stays. And that realization that for a long time in my faith, I lived as if those blue couch moments were few and far between, or maybe that God stayed on the blue couch and I got up and walked away. And this whole book is a chapter by chapter of me returning to the mm. blue couch and then realizing that he's been with me ever since. He doesn't stay on the blue couch. He desires to have a moment by moment, second by second, breath by breath, conversation, relationship, and walk with his children. Absolutely. Well, Matthew, I'm never going to look at my blue couch the same now. It's like go. it's got a special meaning it. to me. I love it. I love it. Uh, yeah. And I would say I actually had my blue couch moment when I was 13 uh, as well at a, at a revival. And I'm curious, now we need to get into the piece of the God who stays um, because it is, it's so powerful that moment that we remember giving our life to the Lord, developing that relationship. And then, like you said, then starts the journey of the walking out, you know, of that relationship. And so I want to hear more about this message, the God who stays, obviously, like you said, it's song, but now a book, where did this, what's the story behind it? 
Yeah, so I I wrote the song pre-pandemic, and um, I wrote it sort of, um, a lot of times you can, as a songwriter, there's beauty and simplicity, and we, you know, like we do in life in general, we can tend to make things harder than they have to be. And I remember particularly, and I, I kind of unpack the, the moment of writing the God who stays where I just was, I was seeking something simple and I found myself playing the same note over and over again. And I just began to sing like, like what is the most basic thing that I believe that keeps me grounded, that keeps me centered and that gives me hope every day. And it kept coming back to the promise of God's presence. And so I wind up writing this song and I thought I knew what it was about. And then a worldwide pandemic hits and we're in a season dominated by isolation and distance from each other and separation, right? And that song, lo and behold, wound up being the one on the radio in the midst of this pandemic. So people are hearing this song about the closeness we can experience with God. And the, the song says, you're the God who stays. You're the one who runs in my direction when the whole world walks away. Nobody was running in our direction. In 2020 and 2021, we were all told we couldn't even look at each other for Pete's sake. You know, I mean, it was it was this dominated season of isolation. And yet I couldn't help but be struck by the beautiful irony that this message was resounding loud and clear for people to hear. Yes, you might be experiencing social distancing, but when it comes to your relationship with the Lord, you never have to experience a spiritual distancing. In fact, if you ever feel a distance between you and God, would you dare to believe that God is never the reason for that distance? The whole message of the gospel is the message of God pursuing us, not running from us, but toward us. And so I really felt compelled to like take that three minute song and, and do a chapter by chapter, deep, deeper dive, not just for the reader, but for me. And what wound up happening is I wound up writing the book that I needed to read chapter by chapter, this was something that brought me back to the blue couch, brought me back to that 13-year-old kid at the hour that I first believed, a kid who hadn't lived as much life as I've lived now, hadn't made as many mistakes as I've made since then, but the reminder that God was inviting me back to that, to bring me back to my first love and show me some areas that he wanted to change in my life. I love that. I love that you said that you wrote the book that you needed to read, too. I feel like that's a lot of authors, like, at first, you know. <laughs> if it's not... Honestly, I think if it's not, yeah, and maybe that statement is not, um, it shouldn't be an exclusive statement. It should be what we're creating, like your podcast, your book that you're doing. Like these have to come from a real place and a real place needs to be a vulnerable place. And a vulnerable place is not a place where everything's been figured out, right? And so like it, the Bible talks about working out your salvation, right? And I think... I do that in my songs and I do that in my books. I, if anybody ever hears one of my songs or, or reads a book and feels like, oh, so Matthew's trying to be the expert here, then I've missed the point. In fact, it's like, no, this is, uh, these works that I've created are written by a work in progress. Absolutely. Yeah, I think I've said that to somebody before. I was like, if you want to know what's going on in my personal life, just look at the topics I've been speaking to or, you know, bringing <laughs> on the podcast or whatever, because usually I'm, that means I'm wrestling out myself, too. Yeah. All right. So you had a story that you share from an Uber encounter that you had in 2020. Um, can you share about that and how it relates to this message? 
Yeah, it was actually the jumping off point for the book. It was, um, you know, I'm not sure how often we think we're going to have a memorable experience in an Uber, but uh, it was March 12, 2020, and we had just begun a tour, myself and Casting Crowns, and uh, we had put out a song called Nobody that was on the radio, and so we decided we're going to go on tour together. And um, March 12th, 2020, we were in Trenton, New Jersey, and they called us together a few hours before the show and said the show was canceled because the city of Trenton was one of the first cities to go on lockdown. And uh, we were all thrown into a frenzy. I mean, a panic, like I'm sure anybody, you know, outside the state of Texas and Florida might <laughs> might remember those early days. It just got insane. And um, so I remember booking a flight as quickly as I could that could get me home that night because they were rumoring to even maybe be closing the airport. And I booked a flight out of the Philadelphia airport. It was an hour away. And um, I got an Uber to drive me an hour from Trenton, New Jersey to Philadelphia, but I didn't care how expensive it was. I was like, I got to get home to my girls. And I got in the backseat of the Uber. And for the first several minutes of that ride, I was in the backseat, just kind of panicking, to be honest with you. Like, Panic attacks have not been like a normal experience in my life, but in the last couple of years, I've I've had a couple, and um, this was getting close to that point in the back seat, just worried about everything that was going down, all of the unknown. And about thirty minutes into that drive to the airport, the Uber driver had his radio on, and the song that came on was my song, and uh, it was the God Who Stays. And so I'm in the back seat of this Uber driver's car. And I'm hearing my song on the radio and I noticed the Uber driver who was from a third world country was singing along with the song. He knew my song, but he had no idea I was in the back seat. Wow. So I remember I started singing with him and uh, I was like, you know, maybe if I sing out loud, he'll notice the similarity and then he'll, you know, he'll be like, oh, it's you. Right. And uh, so I'm singing with him and we're smiling and we get to the end of the song and he doesn't say anything. And I'm like, well, that's weird. And then so I, I leaned forward. I was like, hey, man, how do you think I sounded? And he said, oh, not so good. Ah. <laughs> and I was like, what are you talking about? And he's like, oh, well, you know, it's not your fault because you're not professional like the guy on the radio. And then he told me, he's like, you keep trying, you keep trying. And uh, I just thought that was the craziest moment. Like, And we laughed about it. And I never told him who I was. But I thought that was a nice little dose of humility that he told me I didn't sound very good. But I just, the craziest thing happened on the way to the airport. After that, I, I forgot about the things that were making me panic. And instead, I talked to Arthur, the Uber driver, and he shared with me his story and told me why he likes that song and the reminder that of all the hard things, this guy been through a lot of hard things. And he said, but I know when I sing that song, I'm reminded that he's been with me through it all. And I thought, man, that's powerful. Wow. Okay. That's cool. I love that. Yeah. So that wound up being like chapter one in the book. Like he, I, I unpack it more and uh, I, I can't wait for readers to dive into that story of the Arthur, the Uber driver, because it, it's just a really special experience that I'll never forget. And that wound up really setting the tone for what the whole book was going to be about. Yeah. I wonder if Arthur, the Uber driver will read your book. Maybe. That would be and, awesome. <laughs> super cool, wouldn't it? Yeah, that's cool. I love that. How, I mean, it just shows that pursuit again of God. You know, here you are kind of starting to spiral in a moment and then this it, a pivot happens. That's the beauty of it. Like that, it was in, in lo and behold, wouldn't you know, 
well, the backseat of that Uber was a blue couch moment. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. I mean, the, the idea that Emmanuel was letting me know he's with me. Yeah. And I just, I was so struck by the beautiful irony that he used my own song. You know, sometimes the song's for the singer, too. Mm-hmm. And, and that was a moment. And I thought, wow, okay. So, and I started to think, like, who else is, who else is needing that blue couch moment, that reminder that Emmanuel is with them too. And, you know, maybe by sharing the stories of my experiences, um, I could help draw somebody close to him as well. Yeah, absolutely. I also love your heart in that situation because you were also open to the blue couch moment. You were open to the pursuit rather than maybe getting caught up in Hey, this guy doesn't even know it's me on the radio. You know, like you could have missed the moment, if you will. You know, like I don't know. I just well, I saw gosh, that. <laughs> how many times do we miss the moment? That's the truth. You know, I think um one of the things I write about in the book is in Genesis, it talks about how God went looking for Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. I love that, the cool of the day. I like the term the cool of the day because in uh in Nashville in the summer, there is no such thing as the cool of the day. But um I was thinking about the idea that like, who do you go for a walk with in life? Like, like you ever go for a walk with somebody? Has it, you ever gone for a walk with somebody that you hate? <laughs> like True. that's not usually who you call to go for a walk with. Like it, you go for a walk with somebody you enjoy talking with, you enjoy hearing their stories. You enjoy working out your problems together. And, you know, in my own life during the pandemic, when in Nashville, when they were telling us we couldn't go anywhere, we took walks and my wife and I would take walks together. And there were moments where I'd walk with her and I'd be like, man, I don't just love her. I like her. Like I enjoy these conversations. You know what I mean? Of course, one time we were on a walk during the pandemic and we we started to argue about something. And then like, it's, it's awkward to argue on a walk. Cause then it's like, so we like, we're like, we parted ways and we like walked on the other side of the street. <laughs> but, but the point is, is like the idea of God going for Adam and Eve, looking for them. And of course, Adam and Eve hid from God. And I think like how many times has God come looking to go for a walk with me? And I've hidden, I've hidden because I'm busy. I'm hidden because of my shame. How many times have I missed the moment? and rejected the invitation to go for a walk with the creator of the universe and the lover of my soul. And like, honestly, more times than I'd care to admit, have I denied that invitation and said, I'm good. No, thanks. No, thanks. And and so really this book was about me stopping and saying, I don't want to miss that invitation. And I want to let my life be radically changed by this thought. God doesn't just love me. He likes me. He wants to go for a walk with me. Why is that so hard to understand? I think a lot of times it's because sometimes I don't like myself. So if I don't like myself, how could I even begin to conceive that a perfect God would love and like imperfect me? I'm still working that out. And that's what I was working out through this book. And I just had a feeling somebody else out there (laughs) needs to be reminded. Like, And I've said it from the stage sometimes, like, hey, God likes you and you'll hear this gasp from the crowd, almost like, like they're receiving oxygen. <laughs> like there's something about that message that is simple and basic, but profound. It is powerful. God doesn't just love me. He likes me. And that is powerful because of 
if you think about if someone just loves you, but they don't like you, that's almost feels like they have to, right? Like, have you ever, you know, cause you're in my family, you're my family member. Yeah, I have to love you, but I don't like you. You know, like, <laughs> I'm required to love you, but I'm not required to like you. And that is powerful to really stop and think about. He loves us, of course, but he also likes us. That's, that's powerful. He likes the sound of your voice. Mm-hmm. You know, he likes the things you don't like about yourself. He, it was his idea. He, he likes your sense of humor. You know, he, he likes your quirks. Like that's, there's something that reveals the proximity of God to me when I think of it in that kind of, in those kinds of terms. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like he likes the sound of my voice. Like, oh, that means he's close enough to hear it. Like, mm. I like that. And so the, as the book talks about, that's one of the first, like, you know, I talk about like the notes in the chords of God's love for us. And mm. I talk about how there's love in the like. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, I don't know, it spoke to me. So hopefully it speaks to somebody else. Yeah. Well, speaking to me right now. So <laughs> I know it's going to speak to the listeners too. I, you do speak about grace too. And I would like to touch on that just for a second, because a sec, a little bit ago, we were talking about how we hide from God for different reasons. Like you said, sometimes it's just busy. A lot of times it's shame. I know for me, you know, after my blue couch moment, and then there were some years in there where I think I definitely ran from God a bit and uh, due to shame and different things that were going on in my life. So let's speak to that for the person listening who feels like maybe they're running for different reasons. And uh, what is, what does grace look like for them and for us in those situations? Well, one of the things that I talk about in the book is uh, chapter four is I love this chapter so much, but it's about how God stays with the imperfect people, which is all of us. And uh, I can write a lot about this. I tell you, it's funny. I talk about, um, I've written a lot of songs in my career. And when you come to one of my concerts, you're going to hear a lot of songs that have the word grace in them. And I talk about the reason why I do that. I wrote this in my journal years ago. This is kind of like a personal mission statement as I write I write songs and books now about what I know I need and what I know I don't deserve and what gives me hope to wake up every single morning. And the answer uh, to all three of those is one word, and that's grace. It's that reminder of, of God's presence, even in my failures, of his pursuit of me, uh, despite my shortcomings. And uh, that the wonderful amazement that my imperfections don't disqualify me from a perfect love. And that in essence is what makes his love perfect. It's so perfect that he can love imperfect us. And, um, you know, a big part of my story has been about like unlearning. I don't know where I learned it, but like unlearning this thought that I have to clean myself up first, that I have to be good enough first. And Romans five, eight levels that dysfunctional way of thinking because it tells us what's already been done for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And that that scripture says that's how God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so um, there's like in the love and there's grace uh, in the imperfect places of our lives. And um, that reminder that he, he gave his son Jesus while we were still sinners, before before we started heading his way, the pursuit for us began. Ooh, that's beautiful. I love that. 
And I just love that pursuit and the the imperfect thing. I know so many people can can relate to that piece of I don't I'm I'm with you. I have that same perspective of having to undo that need to clean up. And I don't know where I learned that. Cause like you said, I think back, I'm like, I don't, I never remember learning it. So it just makes me, I think there's probably a lot of different places we pick up that message for sure. Okay. So with all of this said, one of the things I also just love about the title of the book of the song is that it reminds me of God's unconditional love, because I think a lot of people you know, being a counselor, I definitely hear a lot of this, but even just in day-to-day life, we hear this of people leaving people because it was, you know, they did see the mess and they decided, oh, that's too much for me. <laughs> or they did, you know, that they, they were, people walked out on people, you know, that's why I love this, like that God is not a man. <laughs> he's, you know, he, he's not, we don't hold him to the same standards. And so any final words of encouragement you have about that, about if somebody's wrestling through that, like even just having a hard time wrapping their brain around or understanding that he's a God who stays no matter what, you know, like that no matter what piece there. And when the whole world walks away, you're the God who stays. Mm-hmm. The, the book will read, will lead the reader chapter by chapter to a personal realization of God's desire to have a close relationship with you but it is not enough for simply for that message to sink in and for us to absorb that message but then miss the reality that we are also called to be the people who stay Mm. with others right and and i think sometimes and like what you just said you you're dealing with people all the time who maybe have dealt with abandonment or rejection and so they have a hard time understanding a heavenly father that would stay with them through it all but when when you tap in to the reality that there is one and only one perfect love and therefore there is only one whose presence is a promise that will never go unfulfilled then we are now called to go, what do we do with this information? We're called to reach out and and stay with others when life gets hard. And I tell the story of a of a woman who lost her son in a tragic car accident and and she was grieving and grieving and grieving. And at the beginning had so many people around her supporting her and other women and her Bible study and and um just you know having all the support she needed and, and then the weeks turned into months. And then the months dragged on. And as any grieving mother would do, she still would have bad days, bad weeks, bad months. And and she told me there was there was one moment where another person said, hey, it, you know, it's it's time to move on. It's time to heal. Time to like flippantly kind of saying, like, basically, hurry up and heal. Mm-hmm. Right. And I just love that those words will never be spoken to us by the God who loves us and walks with us. He's close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. He's not pushing the brokenhearted saying, hurry up, get better. Right. And so let's take a a note from that and try to be the people who stay with others like that in our marriages, in our uh, family relationships, in our work relationships, whatever it may be. It's easier said than done because we're not God. We don't possess the type of patience that he has with us, but let us all ever be mindful of the patience he does give to us and help our lives kind of, and may our lives turn around and, and be that the people who stay for others. 
Absolutely. Oh, I love ending with that final just charge or reminder. Okay. Any final word of encouragement for the listeners and readers and everything before we get off of here? And then of course, I'll also have you tell them where you can, where they can get your book and connect with you and all that stuff. Uh, thanks for letting me share my stories. It's, it's fun. You know, I get to, um, as a songwriter, your job is to kind of have your antennas up all the time and paying attention. And it's fun when I get to tell stories in the book that I can't put in songs, you know? And um, so my hope is like that as people read the book, they'll be laughing and crying and, and kind of doing all the things that I was doing while writing it. And it's just an honor to be able to share it with people. So whether it's a song or a book or or the podcast or whatever, just uh, I'm thankful for any ways that people uh, are letting my stories be part of their life. And I hope more than anything that it points them closer to Jesus. Yeah. And thank you for using your storytelling abilities for for the Lord and to put a smile on all of our face and draw us closer to him. And then, of course, the book, is it available all the places that you can get books? Yeah. It, most people buy their books, I think, at Amazon these yeah. days. But we have a website called thegodwhostays.com and um, there's links there to buy the book however you prefer. But then there's also some really cool resources. I did a video chapter by chapter kind of video tour guide, kind of unpacking the heart behind each chapter. So once you order the book, you can take your proof of purchase back to that website and unlock um, a five-day devotional plan and different things like that, just to kind of help you go deeper in, in that message. A lot of people are using the book uh, in small group Bible studies as well. It's really digest digestible in that form as well. So perfect. Well, Matthew, thank you again for taking the time to come on. I loved getting to know you a little bit more. I know the listeners will too, and I'm excited for them to get their hands on your book. I really appreciate the opportunity to be on your show and hope we get to do it again soon. It's time for Let's Get Real Practical. This is the part of the show where we take the topic discussed with today's guest. And we get into some practical steps you can implement into your life right now. Today's practical step is simple. In fact, over these segments, I always just ask the Lord, what would you like me to say to them today? And here's what I heard him say. What is your blue couch moment? You know, in this episode, Matthew shared his blue couch moment. I shared a bit of mine. I want to hear what yours is. If you know it immediately, I encourage you to write about it or share it with someone. It revives our faith to go back to the first time we met Christ. It's kind of like if you're married and you maybe have grown a little bit um, stale in the marriage. I kind of don't, I'm not sure I like that word, but you know what I mean. Things maybe feel like a little boring or a little comfortable. And all it takes is you just drifting your thoughts back to the first time that you met your spouse, or even just the fun memory you have with them from when you first got to know each other. I love to think back on when I first met Jesus because it just deepens my faith and my love for him. So if that's you and you have one of those moments, reflect on that. But maybe you're listening today and you're like, "Mm, I don't have a blue couch moment. Can't relate to what you guys are talking about at all. And that's okay because perhaps today is the day that Jesus gets your attention. You thought you were just pressing play on a podcast episode and here you are meeting Jesus. That would be amazing and it's something I pray over for this podcast. So wherever you're sitting right now, whether you're driving, washing dishes, I don't know what you're doing when you listen to this podcast, there's no blue couch that's necessary to have a blue couch moment. It's simple. 
ask Jesus into your heart to be your Lord and Savior. It's not a complicated process. In fact, here in a second, I'm going to say a prayer that you can repeat after me if that's you. But I'm just going to pray over all of us to start. And then if you're listening and that resonated with you, you want your Blue Couch moment today. This is a special time, and I want to invite you to do that. So Jesus, I thank you for every single person who is sitting under the sound of my voice. Just draw them in, Holy Spirit, to this moment. Jesus, I thank you for what you did on the cross, that we can all have those blue couch moments where we come to know Jesus as our Lord, our Savior, our best friend. We can have an open relationship with our Father, Holy Spirit, that you are our helper and our comforter. I pray that you bring to memory everybody who's had one of those moments that they met you and just deepen their faith and their relationship with you through remembering and rejoicing. And then I pray right now for anybody here who has not had that moment of meeting you and that today is the day that they're going to meet you. So listeners, if that is you right now and you would like to have that blue couch moment, I just ask you to say these simple words with me. Jesus, I admit that I am a sinner in need of a Savior. I surrender my life fully to you today. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. All right. Well, that was a powerful moment. I honestly didn't go into this preparing to do that, so I felt like that was very Holy Spirit-led. If that was you and you just surrendered your heart to Jesus, definitely reach out. Let us know. We want to celebrate with you, and then, of course, we want to help you get plugged into a local church because that would be the next step as well. You need good, strong community and discipleship. And, you know, one of the ways you can reach out to me the easiest way, go to my website for all the things. That's my main landing hub, rachelgilbert.com. You spell Rachel a little funny, R-A-C-H-A-E-L-G-I-L-B-E-R-T.com. And there you can, of course, find free resources. You can find information about counseling and my new book, Image Restored. But then there's also a little tab on there that says contact us. And you can put your little, your name, not your little, but you know what I mean, your information in there and whatever happened today, any questions you have and submit it and that will be delivered to our team and we will get back to you. All right. Well, if today's episode blessed you, please consider leaving a review and even sharing your blue couch moment. We'd love to read those. Well, I pray that this Real Talk episode brought you one step closer to living free and pursuing your God-given dreams. I'll see you back here next time on Real Talk with Rachel.